All right, hello everyone, so glad you're here. Uh, this is a very special and significant weekend in the life of our church, a historic weekend, really. Um, today is like the rocket launch of a very exciting vision God has given to our church. I realize that rocket launches are, are fairly commonplace today, but when I was a kid, it was a big deal. I mean, these, guys, these guys were going to the moon, right? On, on an Apollo mission or whatever. And so we'd be watching this on our television and holding our breath and the countdown would commence five, four, three, two, one, and then there would be this explosion of fire and, and smoke and a huge roar blast off. And for a couple of moments, the rocket didn't move, right? It didn't move. And then it would start slowly at first, but very quickly accelerating as it headed on its journey. But it was so cool as a kid to watch all of that energy being expended at the start in order to get this rocket launched. And I, and I feel like we've been in a, in a season like that for the past several weeks. God has given us as a church an amazing vision to extend hope and healing and life to thousands and thousands of people in our city, our region, and our world. This for the city and beyond vision is huge in the impact it will have. And so for the past four weeks, this vision has sort of been on the, on the launch pad, right? With lots of prayer and, and energy and effort and, and and, and, and discussion happening. But today, today, this rocket, the rocket actually starts moving forward. Today, this three-year vision begins, that this movement to activate our hearts to be for our city and region and world begins today. At the end of this message, each of us is going to have an opportunity to officially align our hearts with this vision, which is incredibly exciting. You know, there is something significant, something significant that happens when God's people pursue a vision together. For the past several weeks, we've been looking at the Old Testament story of Nehemiah, who heard that the walls of Jerusalem were broken down and the people were vulnerable to attack. And so he fasted and, and prayed, and God gave him a vision to go mobilize the people to rebuild the walls and to save their city. And so we've been looking at their example and learning how we can work together to rebuild the spiritually broken walls in our city. So we've learned about the importance of seeing the need and, and the importance of teamwork, everyone pitching in. We've learned about the importance of seeing God's hand at work and the, and the critical necessity of, of facing our two biggest sources of opposition, fear and greed. And then last week we talked about the power of, of resolute commitment. I'm doing a great work and I'm not coming down. All of these things lead us to today as this For the City and Beyond rocket is launching. So what I want to do, I want us to look out the window of our rocket and see this vision from a little different vantage point. I want us to see the awesome things that happen when God's people pursue a vision like this together. This is not just church as usual. This is not ho-hum spirituality. We don't do that here. When God's people pursue a vision like this together, amazing things happen. So if you have your Bible or iPad or smartphone or, and want to turn to Nehemiah chapter 6, that would be great. We're going to be looking at a few different sections in this book, identifying five powerful things that happen when God's people together pursue a God-given vision. The first powerful thing that happens is that God is glorified. 
God is glorified. Look with me at Nehemiah 6, verses 15 and 16. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. See, notice what happened when the wall was completed. God was glorified. God received greater glory. Even their enemies realized this work had been done with the help of God. As we pursue this for the city and beyond vision together, God is going to be glorified. He is going to be glorified. He is going to receive greater glory than if we hadn't been pursuing this vision. I mean, think, think about these nine areas of focus in this three-year vision. And if this is new to you, please... Um, Pick up a packet of information in the lobby. You can get up to speed really, really, really quickly on our For the City and Beyond vision. Um, but, but these nine areas of, of, of focus, think about these areas, right? One of these areas is, is, is children and family, families. We want to be for children and families. We will help parents and marriages that are struggling. We will help children who are neglected. We will point our hearts toward those children who long to be adopted into a forever family. Do you think that God is going to receive glory for these things? from these things. Absolutely. These things are near to his heart. He loves children. He loves families. And what about our focus in this vision on, on refugees and those who are coming out of gangs and those who are trying to break out of the cycle of poverty? Do you think our efforts to love these people in these situations is going to bring God glory? Absolutely. And what about the vision for a healing center at, at 15th Street? where people can receive prayer in the midst of their struggle with past hurts and anxiety or depression. Do you think that will bring God glory as people in their brokenness learn to better hear the loving voice of Jesus? Yeah, and, and what about this West Campus vision to build a permanent campus on the West, on the, um, on the West 10th Street, a property that, that God gave us four years ago, a property where 30,000 cars drive past every day. 200,000 people live within 20 minutes of that property, and most of them are not connected to the Lord or to a local church. Do you think that having a vibrant campus there, in addition to our 15th Street campus, will bring God glory as twice as many people are now able to grow as disciples of Jesus, as twice as many people are moved to demonstrate his love to our community, to this community? Yeah. And what about how this vision it's about creating not just a church building, but a, a destination development where people can hang out and enjoy green spaces and bike paths, a, a Zoe's West coffee shop, a gateway into our city that our city would be proud of. Do you think, do, do you think us blessing the marketplace in our community in that way gives God glory? Absolutely. And what about the part of this vision that's geared towards leadership develop, development? And what about the, the million dollars that's going to go toward these amazing partnerships we have overseas where compassion and church planning and, and training of leaders will be happening in 20 of the most needy parts and people groups of the world? Do you think that brings God glory? Absolutely. Every one of these initiatives in this For the City and Beyond vision will bring God glory in a greater way which is ultimately why we exist, right? We as humans, we as a church exist to bring glory to God. As we pursue this vision together, that's gonna happen in a greater way. 
One of our staff members told me about a vision God gave her a few days ago as she was driving near the 15th Street campus. And, and this, this vision was so vivid that she had to pull uh, to the side of the road because it was happening while she was driving. It was so vivid. And in, in this vision, she saw people from every one of these nine initiatives. She saw people from every one of these nine initiatives walking in the streets and walking on the sidewalk. And then she heard the Lord whisper to her heart, the enemy is under the impression that this city is his. He's wrong. He's wrong. And I think the Lord wanted to remind her and to remind us that this vision is going to drive back the enemy's work. And in doing so, God is going to receive more glory. More glory, which is awesome. A second powerful thing that happens when God's people together pursue a God-given vision is that our unity is strengthened. Our unity is strengthened. Before this vision ever happened in Nehemiah's day, the people in Jerusalem were in disarray. They were unmotivated. They didn't seem to care that the wall was broken down. They didn't seem to really care about God's glory or about each other. And then Nehemiah showed up with a vision from God and everything changed. In chapter three, they organize into teams and, and they begin to work. They each work on a section on their section of the wall, right? They're breaking into teams. And in chapter four, they develop a strategy to use in case the enemy attacks. What they did was they divided into two groups and half the people would be working on the wall and the other half would be standing guard. Now, if the enemy were to attack, Nehemiah gave them a plan in terms of how they were to, re were to respond. Verse 20, whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. I love that. I mean, do you hear the sense of unity? The realization that the only way they can effectively resist the enemy and rebuild the wall is by being united. I mean, here is this group of people who a few weeks before were unorganized, unfocused, unproductive. Now that they have a vision, they're unified. They're unified. There is nothing like a God-sized vision, like for the city and beyond, to bring a sense of unity and purpose and focus to a church. We, we are crystal clear here on what we're pursuing. We are clear about our heartbeat for the city and where we want to focus our attention. These nine initiatives describe our missional focus for the next three years. This is what we're going to be about. This is what we're going to be about. I mean, think, think of the energy, the buzz that's happening in our church right now. I mean, we're, we're all talking about this, right? We're praying about it. E-groups are talking about it. I mean, discussions, all this buzz. Imagine how different it would be if we weren't pursuing this vision. If we weren't pursuing a vision like this, we'd be doing church, but we wouldn't be as focused. We wouldn't be as unified as we are right now brings a sense of unity. A third powerful thing that happens when God's people together pursue a God-given vision is that our prayer life deepens. Our prayer life deepens. I mean, one of the things that is so cool to see in Nehemiah's life as this vision unfolds is how vital his prayer life is in this process. And we, in January, we spent some time in the early chapters talking about his prayer life, but it actually continues through the book. 
So, so in chapter one, when he initially hears about the walls of Jerusalem being torn, being broken down, he immediately begins fasting and praying. He begins crying out to God. In chapter two, we learn that it was during that prayer time that God gave him this vision to rebuild the walls. And he then meets with the king to ask permission. And as he's meeting with the king under his breath, he prays a prayer for God's favor. Then in chapter four, when opposition rises, Nehemiah prays. In chapter six, when Nehemiah received a report about a false accusation against himself, he prays. Verse nine, they were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. He prayed all the time. (laughs) He prayed all the time. Whenever he faced a challenge, he prayed. And he also listened to the Lord. This wasn't a one-sided, impersonal relationship. He heard God speak to him. There were several times this happens. For instance, in in chapter 7, verse 5. So my God put it into my heart. God put it in my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the common people for registration by families. God put it in his heart. In other words, God spoke to me, Nehemiah says. God spoke to me about this. He gave me this idea. He spoke to me. God speaks to his people. He speaks to his people. The Holy Spirit speaks. We talk about this all the time around here. If we're attentive to his voice, he speaks to us. And here's the deal. Often, we are way more attentive to his voice when we're in the midst of pursuing a God-sized adventure. I mean, that's what Nehemiah, we don't know a lot about his prayer life, but it accelerated when he heard about the walls of Jerusalem and he was invited into this adventure. His prayer life accelerated. The same thing is true for us. In those times, when we're on an adventure and it's stretching our faith and all those things, in those times, we know we need to hear from him. We know we need his power and his help. And, 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 and so we pray. I, I love the fact that one of the results of this vision, one of, one of the results of this vision is that so many of us, and we're already seeing this, so many of us are praying. So many of us are praying earnestly about these things. We're, we're praying about these initiatives. It's awesome. We're, we're, we're praying for the emotionally broken. We're praying for those in poverty. We're praying for the spiritually lost in a greater, more focused way than we ever would be otherwise. We are. I mean, I heard about an e-group that uh, last week decided to take different shifts and they just, they rode on the city bus. They each took a different shift. A couple of them would ride on the city bus and as they rode on the bus, they would just pray. They were praying for the people they saw. They were praying for the city, which is so cool. At our 24-hour our, at our prayer vigil last weekend, there were dozens and dozens of you who came out, and, and there were these nine prayer stations, even more, and they were just so moving about each of these initiatives and how we could pray for those in poverty, how we could pray for refugees, and it was powerful. We had people praying. Someone was here praying for 20, during all of those time slots. So for 24 hours, these prayers were, be lifting, lifted, are be, were being lifted up, and many of you participated in that. And we're, we're also seeking God about how he might want us, each of us, to be involved in this. We're, we're encouraging all of us to listen to his voice. All of this is a huge win. I mean, think about it. This vision is deepening our experience of prayer, which is, which is a huge win. 
A fourth powerful thing that happens when God's people together pursue his vision is that our generosity increases. Our generosity is increases. Uh, generosity increases. At the end of, of Nehemiah 7, after um, listing a genealogical record of the people of Jerusalem, which is what he had heard the Lord encourage him to do earlier, I mentioned that. We then read these words. Some of the heads of the families contributed to the work. The governor gave to the treasury a thousand derricks of gold, 50 bowls, and 530 garments for priests. Some of the heads of the families gave to the treasury for the work, 20,000 derricks of gold and, and 2,200 minas of silver. The total given by the rest of the people was 20,000 derricks of gold, 2,000 minas of silver, and 67 garments for priests. See, because of the importance of this wall being rebuilt, people were giving financially to this work. Generosity was being stirred. It was because of this vision that generosity was being stirred. I mean, we, we see here in, in Nehemiah's description how certain leader, leaders and nobles who had more in the way of wealth were able to give more than other people, but every, every gift mattered. Every gift was important because it was a reflection of a heart that was wanting to be engaged in this vision, that wanted to be a part of this. So the vision is what prompted the growth in generosity. And the same thing is true in our situation. If we weren't in a vision like this, we probably wouldn't be seeking God about stretching our faith through greater generosity. We, we would be content with our current level of, 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 of giving when God isn't necessarily content with that. God wants us to grow in generosity. Why? Because, not because he needs our money. <laughs> it's, not, it's not that. He doesn't need our money. He wants us to grow in generosity because he wants our hearts. Generosity is a heart issue. It's an opportunity to trust God with something that's very important to us, our money. So the fact that we are all being challenged to ask God about giving to this financially is a really good thing, spiritually speaking. For us, it's a good thing. God loves it. When we grow in generosity, it deepens our faith. It deepens our love for him. It increases our joy, knowing that we are participating in people's lives being changed. I mean, everyone wins. Everyone wins. Now, this generosity is more than simply financial generosity. The other part of this vision we've been talking a lot about is, is, is this generosity of love and time given towards people in need, in these areas of need that we've been talking about. When we begin pursuing together God's heart for the broken and for the hurting in our city, that does something in our hearts. It does something in our hearts. And I, I'm, I'm already seeing this happening in greater ways in our church, I mean, which is so cool. I'm seeing e-groups talking about how they can connect with people in the, in, in the cycle of, caught in the cycle of poverty or how they can connect with refugees or how they connect with, with parents at a local school. I mean, it's changing something in my own heart. The other day, I drove past a, a young man who was sitting on the side of the road um, with a, and it was an intersection. He, he had like a help me sign. So I, I um, was waiting there at the light. And so I grabbed my wallet and, and handed a, a bill through the window. And just as, just as the light turned green, and, and so I had to kind of move on. But I was, as I was driving away, I was wondering, I, mean, I wonder what is, what's his story? What, what's going on in his life? I mean, handing him cash was way too superficial, it was too easy. So I turned the car around. I found a, a kind of went to a parking area nearby there and I walked back and began to, began to just visit with him. 
And I asked about his story and his father had passed away too. He'd moved here pretty recently. His father had passed away two years ago. And so he was struggling to get on his feet. And, and so we talked for a few minutes and I asked if I could pray for him. And, and he said, yeah. And so we, we prayed together. I invited him to church. You know, I don't know if I would have stopped like that three months ago before this vision was being articulated and, and being pursued. But being a part of a church whose vision is to activate our hearts toward the hurting all around us, that's doing something in my own heart. It's doing something in, in our hearts. I hear, I'm hearing stories all the time. It's doing something in us, which is really, really cool. It's stirring generosity, not only financially, but also in terms of love and compassion towards people. There's one other thing that happens when God's people pursue a God-given vision together, and that is that our love for God is stirred. Our love for God is stirred. We see this in Nehemiah chapter 8, uh, a few months after the wall is completed. Check, check this out. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. This is fascinating. We're going to talk more about this next week because it's really a fascinating passage about spiritual renewal and revival. But it's, what's fascinating here is the people of Israel come together on their own initiative. And they say to Ezra, read to us from, the, from God's word. So he does for six hours. How would you like that? Yeah, me to read the Bible for six hours. All right, good. I'm glad someone, someone does. But, uh, so, so he reads the Bible for six hours and they all listened attentively. Now, we would think that would get old really quick, but it, they, would, they would kind of disengage, but they don't. We're told in verse 9 that they started weeping. They started weeping as they listened to the words of the law. See, clearly, the Spirit of God was moving in their hearts, stirring a greater love for him. This was a spiritual revival. And why was this happening? I think... It's connected to the project they were a part of. Again, they were in disarray. They weren't really doing much. They didn't care about the wall. All of a sudden, Nehemiah comes. They have this vision, this project. And then this wall gets rebuilt. And, and very soon after that, this stirring begins. See, over the years, I've spent plenty of time in various meetings praying for revival. You know, we probably, many of us here, praying for revival. And I'm not disparaging that at all. I think it's important that we pray for revival. But I wonder... I wonder if we have lost sight of another factor that often brings revival, and that's the power of vision. The power of vision. Of, of, when people's hearts are captivated by a God-given vision, and when they pursue that vision wholeheartedly, it brings revival. It brings personal revival that does something in us that is spiritually powerful. It awakens in us a passion, a love for God that perhaps had previously been dormant or apathetic. And I sense that happening right now. I sense that happening in our church right now. 
It is. Those who are engaged in this and they're thinking about, they're praying about, this, this is happening. There's a renewed sense of spiritual vitality. There's a renewed sense of passion for the Lord. Our faith is being re-energized because of this God-sized vision and the impact it can have on the lives of lost and hurting people. I believe, I believe we need this vision as much as our city needs this vision. We need this vision as much as our city needs this vision. God wants to, to, to use this vision to awaken in our hearts a greater love for him, a greater experience of generosity and, and compassion, deeper levels of, 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 of life and a, a stronger unity as a church, deeper prayer life, all of those things. When we say yes to this vision, buckle up. <laughs> buckle up because it's gonna be an awesome, life-giving, powerful adventure. Okay, so how do we say yes to this vision? Well, the primary way to do that at this point in this vision launch is through a For the City and Beyond commitment card. And so I want everyone to get in your hands a commitment card. They're in the envelopes in front of you. Every seat should have these in front of you. If you're at the West Campus, they were put into the newsletter. So if everyone, I want everyone to grab one of those commitment cards. If you brought one with you, great. If you didn't, that's totally fine. They're in that envelope. Just So pull it out of the envelope and the seat back in front of you. Each person take one out. And so what I want to do is just walk through the right side of this card. This is where the commitment is made. And I want you to notice there are three different aspects of engaging in this vision. Okay, three different aspects. There's a prayer piece, there's a relational piece, and there's a financial piece. So at the bottom of the card, on the right-hand side, the perforated part, if you look there at the bottom, we'll start there, that's the prayer piece. Prayer is critically important. There is a box indicating your commitment to pray for this vision. There is also a box under that where you can indicate your desire to be put on an email list to receive regular prayer updates. And so feel free to mark either or both of those boxes if you want to make a commitment to pray. That's the prayer piece. Secondly, right above that, there is the personal relational piece. And we've been talking a lot about that through this whole process. You'll notice just above the prayer part, it says, I would like to be involved in a specific area of this ministry vision. Please contact me to get involved. Now, as we've said all along, the heart of this vision is, is God activating our hearts to be for our city, our region, and our world in a greater way than ever before. And our focus in this activation, our focus is these nine areas of need. So we know God is already stirring in the hearts of many of you a particular interest or passion for one of these areas. It may be for children and family, a heart for at, kids in at-risk situations, or a heart for adoption. It may be a growing heart for refugees or a, a heart for the emotionally broken, people who struggle with anxiety or depression or whatever. It might be a heart for leadership development to explore what, is, what does that look like. Or maybe you have some expertise in construction or land development. Or maybe your heart is to work to end sex trafficking um, internationally or, or in whatever context. Or, or perhaps you're passionate about the marketplace seeing how you could more effectively impact your marketplace with the gospel or, or to explore how people could break out of the cycle of poverty. You have a, a growing passion for that. See, our desire as a church is to help you engage in this, to help you explore that further. 
So that might mean you uh, or, or an e-group or whatever, you partnering with an organization in town that's already working in this area. It might mean your e-group connecting with one of these needs in, in a different way. We, we, we want to dream together with you about what that might look like for you to, to relationally connect in these areas of need. So by checking that particular box on this commitment card, by checking that box and writing in an area of focus, um, you're, you're, you're not committing yourself to anything, okay? I, I repeat, even though this is a commitment card, I understand that, but there's a little caveat here. This section is about exploring areas of possible interest, okay? You're not committing to this. So, so you don't need to worry if you're not 100% ready to commit to an initiative. All, all that you're doing, all that you're indicating is that over the next few weeks, you'd like someone to contact you to begin processing in more detail what is in your heart regarding these, that particular area and, and how you might explore getting involved. Now, you maybe haven't narrowed that down to one area. Maybe there are a couple areas, and that's okay. You can write all of those areas on there. Or maybe you aren't drawn to a specific one, but you know you want to get involved at a personal level. That's okay, too. If you simply write unknown in that line, okay, on that line, and, and, and we'll commit to, uh, to the, just write unknown, we will commit to journeying with you and discovering that together as well. <clears throat> That's our heart. We just want to connect. We want to activate 2,000 plus people to be for our city in a greater way. So that's what that particular part is all about. It's expressing that desire to connect in that way and exploring that. Well, the third part, just as you move up the, on the card, the third part is the, is the financial par part of engaging in this vision. For the past four weeks, I've been encouraging all of us to spend time praying about and processing with the Lord how he might want us to be involved financially over the next three years. You can keep looking at the card, but I'm tired of waving it around or whatever. So, uh, but we realize that people are at different places in this, Okay. We realize that people are at different places in this whole financial thing. Maybe you have never, and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, but maybe you've never given to this church and you're, you've decided you want to give to this, which is awesome. It's a huge step for you. Way to go. You play a critical role in this vision. There are others of you who maybe have given occasionally to this church and God is asking you to take a step of faith and to be an intentional giver, making a consistent weekly or monthly or yearly gift which is awesome. And then there are others of you who you give faithfully to this church. And God is asking you to step out in faith to make a three-year sacrificial commitment to this vision over and above your regular giving. We're, listen very carefully. We're just encouraging everyone to do whatever the Lord is asking you to do over the next three years. It might include selling some possession or an asset, or a stock, or security, or donating from a retirement, or a savings account. It, it might include a, a rental property, or, or farm income, or some other sacrifice, or income stream. <clears throat> I know of a family that's donating the sale of, of, of some land, just like Barnabas. That's exactly what Barnabas did in the book of Acts. <clears throat> Another family is contributing the money they had been paying for their child's college tuition and the child's graduating in May, so they're going to continue during through the rest of the campaign, campaign um, giving that money that they were paying for the tuition. And even myself and, and my family, we're all in. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but just, I just want you to know, we're, we're all in. We're giving a portion of our savings. We're also donating future money that we had set aside to buy a newer car as well as we're donating future mortgage payments when our house is paid off in a, in a few months. 
and then we're donating proceeds from, from my book, all of those things together. And we're, we're excited about how God has led us to be involved in this. So I encourage you to let God reveal creative ways to be a part of this financially. A vision of this scale is, is gonna require all size commitments and each one is vitally important. I mean, we're gonna need $200,000 commitments. Uh, we're gonna need $50,000 commitments. We're gonna need $10,000 commitments. We're gonna need $1,000 commitments and all above that and below that, all of that. I mean, as you can see on the chart there in the little the brochure you're holding, there's a little chart. Even a little bit every week can go a long way. $20 a week adds up to over $3,000 in three years. $20 a week adds up to $3,000. $50 a week adds up to nearly $8,000. Every gift matters and is needed. Every gift matters. Every gift is needed. Now, I realize that some of you may be in, in, in college or you may be in a transitional place where, where you're not sure you're going to be here for longer than a year or two years or whatever. That's fine. We encourage you to be a part of this vision while you're here. You are investing in God's future work here in impacting people's lives just like you have been impacted by this church. You get to invest in that happening in the future. Now, maybe you're watching this online and you live in another part of the country, but you would like to give and be a part of this. That's great. You can go online at forthecityandbeyond.org and can fill out a commitment card. Now, now we realize there may be some of you who need a bit more time to decide um, this is maybe new to you. Or you've missed a few weeks or whatever. That is totally okay. You also can visit that website and, and, and fill out an electronic version of the card that, that you're looking at right now. You can do that in the, next, in the, in the coming weeks. And you'll notice also on that commitment card, there's a place to indicate if you would like to give a gift as an online, make an online automatic, um, set, set up an automatic deduction, which is a great way to, to, to make generosity a priority. So you can mark that box just if you'd like more information about that. Now, by the way, let me just remind us, these gifts that we're talking about here, these commitments are over and above our regular giving to Christ community. We are so grateful for all of you who give generously to the ministry budget of this church. And we ask that you not shift your regular giving over to the For the City and Beyond vision, which would have a detrimental impact on the church's overall ministry vision. Now, I know, I, I realize that some people, they're hesitant to turn in a commitment card like this um, uh, for fear that something might happen. Oh, I'm, I'm making a commitment, and what if something happens, and, 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 and you know, I'm not able to keep that commitment or whatever. I totally understand that, but, but I, want, I want to reassure you that this is a good faith commitment before the Lord. You've prayed. You're doing what you believe God's asking you to do. We totally understand that circumstances may change, circumstances beyond your control. That's okay. We are not going to be calling you. We're not going to be harassing you about making your commitment. We're not. But the commitment cards are very important, not only for us in terms of budgeting and planning for this vision, but also for you. See, there is something significant about declaring on paper what God has led you to do. It's a declaration of his faithfulness. So please do fill one out if you're planning on giving to this vision. Now, if you were part of the group that led the way by making your commitments early, and by the way, that group has already committed over $2 million for this vision, which is really cool. If you were a part of that group, we would like you to still fill out a card and be a part of this experience where we as a church will be together turning in our cards. And who knows? 
perhaps the Lord has been moving in your heart to, to increase your amount, who knows, to this to the commitment, to this vision as you've been praying even more over the last month. God sometimes does stuff like that, right? I mean, he's a generous God. He's a compassionate God and he loves it when we, when we stretch and we grow in our compassion and our generosity. Okay, so here's what I'd like us to do. I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna take a couple of minutes here and I wanna give each person time to prayerfully fill out this commitment card. What is God asking you to do? That's the key question. And we wanna give a couple minutes here, plenty of time just to hear and to respond. If you need to discuss it with your spouse who's sitting next to you or whatever, that's totally cool. But we're gonna take two or three minutes of just prayerful time before the Lord. If you already know, you've already filled out your commitment card, you, you know what you're doing, please pray during this time for all of our hearts to be open to what the Lord would have us do. And after that, after a couple minutes, I'm gonna come back up here and then I'm gonna explain what we're gonna be doing with these cards. So let's, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this vision. Thank you. It's really amazing what you're calling us to be engaged in. And we, we thank you for the privilege of being able to be a part of it in prayer and relationally and financially, all of those ways. Thank you for that invitation. And I pray, we pray right now that you would speak to each person's heart here about how you would want them to be involved in this vision, that you would speak and that you would fill them with joy in saying yes to you. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you now to come and to speak to our hearts as we fill out these cards for your glory. And we're excited about all you're gonna do as a result of these commitments. Thank you, Lord. Okay, go ahead and, and begin filling out your commitment card. I'm gonna do that as well, and I'll come back up in a couple minutes.